All right. And then I, I can record here, too, for this part. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. All right, let's get ready. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that you would just be with me during this sermon. Um, hide me behind the cross. I pray for your anointing, your enablement. I pray that as I preach this word, that people's faith will increase and their focus on you will sharpen. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So today my sermon is called Warfare Surrounding Christmas, right? And you're like, Pastor Ed, that's pretty dark. That's pretty... And, and you know, I just want to say that, like, we're not naive. That Christmas time is a triggering time for some. And so, but it's a beautiful time. Um, James Merritt says, God became a part of the human family so we could be part of his family. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I think I shared this sermon with Ethan or Anna. Maybe they could post some quotes. Um, so God became part of the human family so we can be part of his family. Augustine once said, man's maker, talk about Jesus, was made man that he, the ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast so that the bread, the bread of life, might hunger, that the fountain thirst." That the light sleep, the way be tired on his journey, that the truth might be accused of false witnesses. The teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, the strength might grow weak, and that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. You know, God himself came and clothed himself in a man so we could be redeemed and reconciled so we could join with God forever. And so this morning, I want to share with you about a warfare surrounding Christmas. There's some scriptures I want to share, and uh, maybe Ethan or Anna can put it in, in the chat. One of the scriptures is, many are the this is Psalms 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them all. Maybe you could go on Zoom and mom could do um, Facebook. Right? So many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them all. John 16, 33. So that was an Old Testament re representative representation that God is good, but life is hard. Let's look at John 16, 33. John 16, 33. And the New Living Translation says, I have told you, this is Jesus speaking, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Romans chapter 5 verse 3, right? Let's look at the epistles. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, rejoice, I mean, Romans 12 12 says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4 says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we may comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And the last scripture on my text scripture this morning is 2 Corinthians 6 4. It says that everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. 
we patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. Praise the Lord. So I want to share with you some big ideas to encourage you that there are also, there are often troubles and challenges and warfare surrounding Christmas. Now, why, Pastor? Pastor, why? Why is Christmas triggering for some? For some people, it's a beautiful time of year. And praise the Lord. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But some people go through it. You know why? Because partially because of lack of sun exposure. Some people's career, they leave when it's dark and they come home when it's dark. Right? They leave when the sun is down. They come home when the sun is down. And they, they, be, they fall victim to what's called SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. And this is real, right? This is real. Certain people need a certain amount of certain exposure to sunlight to flourish. Another reason why some people go through things during Christmas time is due to financial pressures. Right, they have to, you know, they have to buy gifts. The other day, my company, we, they had like a holiday party. Pastor Ed spent like sixty-seven dollars. So we went to a Korea barbecue. We had to get a grab grab bag. They got, you know, Anna. Anna is very good at gift giving, and she had a gift for me already to give. And you know, it's financial pressures, you know. And if you're going through financial pressure, I pray that the Lord will, will just come through for you. Sometimes people have a hard time during Christmas because of relationship issues. Christmas is a triggering time sometimes for parents. Sometimes it's a triggering time for marriages and friendships. Sometimes Christmas is a hard time because it's an emotionally triggering time because maybe a recent loss in the family. I know my first Christmas after my mom passed was tough. I'm like, oh, my cookies, I love Christmas. And, you know, it, it triggers grieving. Sometimes Christmas is a hard time because it triggers existential reflection because it's so close to the New Year's. And sometimes the devil just wants to distract and detour you and I from focusing on the advent and the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the entrance of God into humanity. Sometimes the devil just pours on all this stuff so you don't focus on the main thing. So today, the big ideas are four. Number one, spiritual warfare surrounding Christmas. I'm going to show you a crazy scripture, Revelations. Number two, the societal warfare around during the first Christmas. Christmas. Number three, family drama during the first Christmas. And number four, financial drama around the first Christmas. And I share all this stuff. The big idea is for you and I to stay aware and alert to the fact that we lived in a flawed world, but we serve a fantastic God. We must strive to keep Jesus Christ at the center of our Christmas. And when we do this, it can alter our personal perspective and increase our peace. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. I love you. A lot of times you have the choice between worry or worship. You have a choice sometimes between worry or worship. And for the rest of your life, you have to make that intrinsic choice. Sometimes you have a choice between panic or prayer. And sometimes you have a choice between looking at your problems and looking at God. And this morning, I just want to trigger you. During this triggering time, I just want to trigger you to worship. I just want to trigger you to pray. I just want to trigger you to keep your eyes on God. 
I teach you all this so we can stay on the potter's wheel and continue to grow more and more like Jesus Christ. All right, let's go to the first thing. Christmas is about spiritual warfare. Turn your Bibles and your apps to the book of Revelations. Yes, I said it. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 through 5. Get out of here, cat. Revelations chapter 12, verse 1 through 5. The Apostle John says, Then I witness in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she gave, she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. All right, let's stop. This is a heavy-duty scripture. So, my friends at blueletterbible.com, the commentary says, because John plainly said this is a sign, we don't expect this woman to appear literally on earth. This is a, a prophetic, metaphoric picture. God will use this sign to communicate something to John and to us. In his writing, women often represented the religious systems in Revelation. Jezebel, according to Revelation 2.20, Jezebel is associated with the religious system promoting false teaching. In Revelation 17.2, the great harlot is associated with false religion. And also in Revelation 19, verse 7 through 8, the bride is associated with the church. So many experts say the John, the John sees a woman appear in the sky. Some say the woman is a picture of Mary. Some say the woman represents the nation of Israel, the covenant nation of Israel. Some people, others say that the woman symbolizes, symbolizes those who are saved both in the Old Testament and New Testament. The woman is seen giving birth to a child, and that child is a representation of Jesus Christ being born to this world. There was warfare. Look at verse 3. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. And that's a symbol of nations and continents, people say. Verse 4. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. And some people say those are fallen demons. He stood in front of the woman as she's about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to her son, who will rule all the nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and his throne. Right? So John sees a great red dragon appear in heaven. There's a picture of Satan. He's symbolically represented as the one who controls the worldly empires of this fallen world. He is seen as opposing the birth that's about to take place. He is preparing to destroy the child at the moment he is born. Right? And that's that's we're gonna talk about that in the next point where all the all the baby boy boys around the time of Jesus' birth were, were killed, you know, in a, in a tragedy, right? The, the slaughter of the innocents. So this helps us understand that Satan opposed the first coming of Christ. He did all he could to stop Christ from coming and attempted to hinder Christ during his life on earth. Satan did all he could to attempt Christ from going to the cross. And this, the cross is what completely defeated Satan and the powers of darkness. <coughs> so you're saying, Pastor Ed, this is a heavy-duty scripture. Why are you sharing it? You're ruining the vibe. I share this because... We're still surrounded by warfare, fam. 
the enemy of our soul doesn't want us to sit, soak, and saturate and share the love from and for God, right? The enemy wants us, oh, feeling sorry for self. Oh, woe is me. Oh, I'm so broke, I can't afford to pay attention. Oh, my third vertebrae hurts. And, and, and going through all these things. And there's a, there's a warfare going on. And there's a warfare going on with the saints. You know, let me talk to you about warfare really quick. Warfare affects your physical body. Spiritual warfare can affect your physical your body. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 39 through 46. This is the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus goes to the cross. This is heavy scripture. It says, Then, accompanied by the disciples, now Jesus had the Last Supper. Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. Then he told them, Pray that we were not given to temptation. Some theologians say that the devil was in the mist trying to tempt Jesus not to go to the cross. He walked away, Jesus, about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. So the angel also appeared when he was in the in the desert 40 days, 40 nights. So that's why some theologians feel like the angel uh, crossed the veil of uh, the barrier of the seen and unseen world to, to um, minister to Christ because the enemy was there playing dirty as well. Verse 44. Stay with me, fam. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood and then he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep exhausted from grief not too many pastors preach this part exhausted from grief why are you sleeping <laughs> he asked then get up and pray so you may not give it to temptation all right so like I said, some, some preachers and theologians feel that the devil was there, and that's why the angels showed up to minister to Jesus. The enemy drained the oxygen, made the air thin for believers. You know, the disciples, now remember, the disciples had a long day, right? They ministered with Jesus. They're walking everywhere. They had the Last Supper. The Last Supper, he's telling them they're going to die. That someone, that he's telling them that some of you are going to betray me. He's telling them, like, this is the bread. This is the lamb. This is the new covenant, right? The old covenant is past. The, the way you live forever before you and your ancestors, that, that's done. And they're like, oh, cognitive dissonance to the thousandth power. Oh, I'm confused. I thought I was going to be the vice mayor of Jerusalem. I thought you were going to wear the crown. Now, I thought you were going to snuff Caesar. All right. And I think the disciples slept because of physical tiredness and also because of the, uh, the emotional and physical drain of the large meal and the grief in their body. And I think it's still like that. I think that the enemy still tries to give grief to the people of God. You ever like go through something so bad that you're so tired you can barely get up? Sometimes, fam, there's spiritual warfare surrounding that. And that's why it's important that you have a worship prayer list. That's why it's important that you pray and that you text your brothers and sisters in your journey group to pray for you, right? This is why prayer and biblical meditation is so important in this season because this could be a draining season. All right, second big idea. Now, I know we think we're living through the worst times, right? Like, oh, 
it's, it's, it's crazy times. The political cycle, COVID, Delta, Omicron, Omarion. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff going on, right? What's it called? The mandates, possible another shutdown. And so sometimes we think we're the only ones going through societal issues. Brothers and sisters, historians will tell you like every 100, 120 years, there's a new pandemic. There's like a new flu. And I'm not trying to minimize this. I'm trying to say that there's cycles. There was societal warfare when Jesus was born. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, right? Maybe they can put this in the chat. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years and under, two years old and under, in accordance with the time he learned from the Magi. So shortly after the birth of Christ, there was a massacre. And this type of trauma impacts people for a long time. Everybody knows everybody in that world. I think that's why when, when Jesus was uh, um, on the donkey, on the colt, and they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, they were just hoping like, yo, just please overtake this. They killed my nephew. They killed my grandson. They killed my son. They killed my godson. Please overtake this. And sometimes our trauma makes us want God to move in a certain way. Sometimes we just want blessings not to be a blessing, but to be a stressing <laughs> to someone who stressed us out. And I say this because we're living through challenging times in this humanity, but humanity is always dealt with tragedy. And oftentimes the catalysts of these trials are from a hidden malefic force. And I say this not for you to be afraid, but for you to be aware. Right? Um... Herod tried to destroy God in the flesh. And quite as kept, things are connected. Herod was related to, uh, through in-laws to Peter. And Peter became Jesus, like one of Jesus' greatest disciples. All right, so I say that. So first thing is that there's spiritual warfare surrounding Christmas. Second thing, even the first Christmas, there were societal issues. Right? The third big idea. Family drama during first Christmas. We got to look at family drama. I know you don't have family drama, but maybe you can minister to your, your, your co-worker with this one. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. We know the story of no room in the inn, but people, people are more aware, awake to the nuances of that story. And I want to share with you some of the nuances of that story. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. At the time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of the Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, remember his fiance, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him on a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So the Greek word for the, uh, the Greek word for um, 
lodging here is the same room at same same as um as a, a guest room, right? A guest room. So some new theologians feel like Joseph was looking for a guest room in his family's house. And this hurts more. This stings more. Um, the question was, now the question is like, was Mary rejected by strangers? No. Mary was rejected by family. That must hurt. That stings a little bit. Mary was rejected by family. Has anybody ever been rejected by family? Mary was rejected by family. Um, it, it, it was, it was jo Joseph's family, right? So there was, there was room in the house, right? There was a guest room. But the, occupant, the, the people in the guest room decided that they didn't want to give up their room for a pregnant woman. Now, you and I know from, you know, Mediterranean cultures, our culture, pregnant women are the key, right? They're, they're the stars of the show. Pregnant women and babies, right? And, the, and elderly. You want to make sure they're good, right? But the fact that is nobody wants... So some people say, like, you know, maybe part of the nuance of the story is... Was who's the father of that baby? Did they feel like Joseph was too kind or too stupid? That he was being made a fool by Mary? Do they think, well, we'll let her stay in the house, but that's as far as it goes. A woman like that could sleep with the animals. I wonder when Jesus was being born, did any of them rise up and help her? Did any of them rise up and help the human face of God coming to this world. And I wonder how awkward it was in the next in breakfast the next morning. Did they ignore her when she was screaming and crying all night? Did they give her dirty looks in the morning? Did they make sly comments about the appearance of the shepherds who came in the middle of the night? Did anyone ask to hold baby Jesus? See, at this time of year, people often pray that the God of hope will fill us with joy and peace and prosperity. And Christmas is a time of cheer, but it is also a time when Jesus was born of conflict, of gossip, of chaos. And this has always existed right, along, right alongside of hospitality, hope, and joy. And sometimes we can find, sometimes things are in our control, sometimes they're not. But that stuff refines us. It doesn't necessarily define us. Jesus never talked about it. And per perhaps this is the perfect time of year that we realize that the Bible describes that when God was with us, he tabernacled among us. That the human face of God was with us and we treated him like an animal. And it wasn't the devil. It was family. And that's just why we have to recenter ourselves and we have to pray and we have to learn to extend love to our neighbors, to our family, to our friends. So you think you're going through warfare? Jesus, God chose the narrative of drama because he wanted to relate to me and you. God chose the narrative of poverty because he wanted to relate to you and I. He chose the narrative of working a blue collar job because he wanted to relate to you and I. He chose the narrative where society judged them as being socially awkward for not being married at 30 because he wanted to relate to you and I. Hallelujah.
All right, the last big idea is financial troubles has been surrounding Christmas since the first Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 24, then I'm done. It says, there was a time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord said, the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So, I mean, think about the risk. They know the rumors, and they still brought him to the temple. So they offered the sacrifice requ required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. See, the, like, the offering of the two pigeons instead of a lamb and a pigeon was technical, technically called the offering of the poor. So... Do you think you got drama? Jesus was born and his parents had to give a poor people's offering. They're bringing God into the house of God. And they're bringing poor people's offering. Alright, I'm done fam. Big ideas today. The spiritual warfare surrounding Christmas, right? We saw the picture of revelations with babies and suns and moons and dragons and kingdoms. There's, there's always spiritual warfare around Christmas because the devil does not want you to keep your eyes on Jesus. He wants you to take a victim narrative. He wants you to be in so much pain that you ignore your promise and you don't tap into your power. There's warfare surrounding Christmas. And there's, I need you to tap into the Holy Ghost. I need you to tap into prayer. I need you not to sleep, to stay awake, aware and alert, praying. The second thing we talked about today is there was societal warfare during Christmas, right? Let's not be too shocked about the pandemic. Let's not be too shocked about the political climate. We're in this world, but not we're not of this world, but we're called to reach this world. The third big idea was family drama during the first Christmas, right? There was no room in the guest room. Somebody didn't want to give up their bed. What are you willing to give up for Jesus? What are you willing to give up for the kingdom of God? Are you willing to give up a little sleep, a little money, a little ego for a big blessing? Are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to reconcile? Right. The next thing is there was financial troubles in the first Christmas. So don't be surprised, right? So the big idea is staying aware, alert to the fact that we live in a flawed world, but we serve a fantastic God. We must strive to keep Christ in the center of our Christmas, and this will alter our perspective. And sometimes when, when God changes the way you see things, the things you see change. And this will increase our peace. So brothers and sisters, either your worship or you worry. Either you'll panic or you pray. Either you'll look at your problems or you'll look at God. Fam, we can enjoy the world without being worldly. And we can take in the we can take in this abundant life through the word of God. God bless you, fam. I pray that this sermon um, ministered to you. I pray that um, you were encouraged by this sermon and that you allow me the privilege and honor to pray for you. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, and I pray for everyone listening, everyone watching, that we may be aware of the spiritual warfare surrounding Christmas, the first Christmas and even now. 
I pray, Lord God, that we will center us, that we will put on the full armor of God. That we will command our flesh to submit to our souls, our souls to submit to our spirits, our spirit to yield to the spirit of God, to desire to do the will of the Father and bring glory to the Son. I pray that we will resist the devil knowing that he will flee. I pray for some men watching now that are going through temptation, a temptation that can ruin their marriage. I pray that they will flee from that temptation. I pray for women now, Lord God, that are going through a temptation that can affect their parenting. I pray that it will tap into you. I pray for the atmosphere. There's some Christians that find it hard to breathe, that their cross is getting heavy. I pray that it will tap into you. Lord, I pray that we won't be naive, that we'll realize that there'll be societal problems since the beginning of this world. That we won't make the news our replacement to the word of God. Lord, I pray that we will recognize and realize that family drama happened to Jesus. It can happen to us. And Lord, I pray that we don't let financial troubles steal our hope and joy in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen and amen. Fam, it's 12 noon on the dot. I pray that you have a beautiful...